Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. This is the third in our Advent series uh, of the Tale of Four Kings. Uh, two weeks ago, we saw uh, the, the humbled king, the King Nebuchadnezzar, who was great and mighty and had been given lots of power and did great things, but had to be humbled dramatically by God. Last week we saw the foolish king, Belshazzar, who should have had a great rule, should have learned from Nebuchadnezzar and his example, uh, but did not. And so he was, his kingdom was removed from him with judgment from God. Today we get to a story that you might be surprised actually to see this listed as a tale of kings because it has a more familiar title. Uh, Daniel chapter 6 is actually probably one of the more familiar stories in the entire Bible. Uh, This is the story that is better known as Daniel in the lion's den. But I want you to listen as we read it and think about this question as I read. The question is, who is this story really about? We call it Daniel in the lion's den, but listen to how much it talks about Daniel and how much it talks about Darius the king. And then you may see why I've called this the powerless king. So let's read now from Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper, his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king or the injunction you have signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. 
Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this testimony to your faithfulness that you saved your servant Daniel so many years ago. Father, we pray now that as we reflect on this for the next few minutes, that you would show us what this word means for us today. Would your Holy Spirit come and sink this word deep into our hearts, that it might not merely be information for our heads, but truly transformation for our lives, changing the way we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know as I, as I look out here, um, I am I'm somewhat in the middle of this room in terms of age. Some of you are a little bit older than me. Many of you are a little bit younger than me, which is a strange experience for me. And so I have, I have to tell you something from the good old days, um, especially to those, those in the youth group and younger who know only the days of Netflix. Um, but in the good old days, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have an unlimited supply of shows and movies. We just kind of had to watch what we had. And one of the movies that we had in my house growing up on a VHS tape, no less, uh, no CDs yet, no DVDs, no Blu-rays, was The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz was, I believe, a 1939 film, something like that, something in the 30s. Uh, one of the first films to be made in color. And I, I saw last night on Wikipedia that The Wizard of Oz may actually be the most watched film of all time because of how many years it was shown on TV and that kind of thing. So in The Wizard of Oz, uh, it, you know, it follows the, the tale of Dorothy who gets 
transported in the tornado from her house in Kansas to the magical land of Oz, and she would really like to go home. Um, she would really like to get back to Kansas, but she is told that the person who can help her and her companions are the wonderful, the, the person is the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz, the great and powerful wizard. And so she, they journey along the yellow brick road to find the Emerald City to find this wizard. And they go and he says, well, go bring me the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West. So they go and they, they kill the Wicked Witch of the West and they get her broomstick and they come back to the city. And then the wizard begins to stall. And they say, well, we're here. We're here with her broomstick. Send us home, mighty wizard. And he's all from the, the, the cloud, not from the clouds, but his powerful voice booming all around. And then her dog Toto goes and he runs around behind the curtain and he pulls back the curtain and all there is is just this short man at the controls speaking into a microphone, making all the smoke go. He says, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain because the Wizard of Oz is revealed to be completely powerless. He is just smoke and mirrors and a loud voice. He's then behind the curtain making things happen, but he has no real power. And what we see here in Daniel 6 is, like I said before I read it, when, when you think about it, this story is not so much about Daniel. Daniel is a very simple character in this story. He's just, he's just a simple, blameless, obedient, faithful follower of God. But there's no talk in here of Daniel's anguish when he hears the king's order, of him wrestling with what to do of him calling on his friends to pray. We saw that back in Daniel chapter 1. He asked his friends to pray for him, to give him the interpretation. There's not even any account of him defending himself before the king. As we saw with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3, their, their great declaration, we're not going to worship you. And if you throw us into the fire, our God will save us. And even if he does it, we'll still not worship you. We don't see anything of that with Daniel here in chapter 6. We just see his simple obedience. So as much as we would like to see, to like look at Daniel's life and say, what can we learn from him? There's really not much to go on to learn from Daniel other than he was blameless and obedient. But we see a lot about the king, Darius. Darius is the one, we start with much discussion of this court intrigue with the other officials trying to catch Daniel and coming to, to sneakily get Darius to, oh, this sounds good, Darius. Like, you don't want anybody praying to anybody other than yourself. And Darius says, okay, I'll do it. And then, even worse, we see Darius. When he, Darius liked Daniel. And so, when he finds out that Daniel has violated this, I mean, Darius is the king. Like, just say no. Tell these people to go away. Change the law, but no, it's the law of Medes and the Persians. It cannot be changed. Of course, we see that's foolishness at the end of this chapter when he just changes the law and says, no, everybody has to pray to Daniel's God now, and he throws the other guys into the lion's den. So Darius could have done that all along, but he was powerless. He, he hems and haws all day to try to find a way to save Daniel. We get the details of that, and we get, and then finally the, 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 the palace intrigue comes back and says, no, no, you got to put him in the lion's den. He even casts him into the lion's den saying, I hope you're saved. We get the account not of Daniel, in the lion's den all the night, but Darius, afraid in his palace, unable to sleep, unwilling to do anything else, just hoping that Daniel will be saved. So really, this is the story of Darius, the story of the powerless 
king. And in it, we see the frailty of human power. We see that all human kings, all human powers are ultimately just the man behind the curtain trying to make things happen, but not really having nearly the power that we think that they have. And so then the question is, if this story shows us the powerlessness of Darius the king, the powerless king, who is the contrast? Who is the powerful one? It's not, it's not really Daniel. Daniel's kind of just the, the flat character here who does everything right. We don't see Daniel counter-scheming to show his own power. Instead, the true power here comes at the end. Ha Daniel, has your God saved you from the lions? Yes, my God has saved me. And then what Darius says, all people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. This is in verse 26. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So the contrast to the powerless king Darius is the God over all the earth who has the power. And that is the message for us this morning. The message that was true for Daniel is also true for us. And if we want to be like Daniel in a sense, to have that kind of faith and obedience, that simple faith that does not care what human rulers say, that stays faithful to our God, the answer is to see the contrast in power. See, Daniel, Daniel just knew that Darius was simply a man behind the curtain. And in fact, we see here, there were a lot of other guys behind the curtain too, trying to make things happen. But Daniel knew that the true power was in the God who lives forever. And when we recognize that true power, we can view human power rightly. And that's really the main point for us this morning. Because God is the one who endures forever. We must view human power rightly. And I know some of you would like me to now give you three points, but I only have two. And I've talked a lot about Daniel and Darius already, so you're probably glad that I've only got two. So really, it, what does it look like to view human power rightly? There's really just two sides to this. One we must not fear human power. We do not need to fear human power. And the second one is that we must not put our hope in human power. If we are viewing human power rightly, we will neither fear it on the one hand, nor put our hope in it on the other hand. And so we see plenty of evidence from here that we need not fear human power. Daniel had every right to be afraid. He was going, he was, he was still, even though he had a position of some power, he was still a foreigner in the court. Not only was he a foreigner in the court, it was a new court. This was, remember, Daniel had been captured by the king of Babylon, had served Nebuchadnezzar faithfully, had been given power and honor by Nebuchadnezzar's son or descendant Belshazzar, who had given him a purple robe. But, but the same night Belshazzar did that and honored him, Belshazzar was killed. And Darius the Mede takes over the kingdom. So there's a new sheriff in town. A new, now, whether Darius the Mede was truly a king or more of a governor under Cyrus, it's a little bit unclear. Darius and Cyrus seem to have come in together. But Darius was the man in charge, and it was a new administration. So Daniel had every reason to be afraid. And yet, he sees here that it, there is... 
It's just a man behind the curtain. There is no need to be afraid even of the mighty power of the Medo-Persian Empire that has conquered the previously mighty nation of Babylon. And so we see that now just because we don't need to fear human power doesn't mean that life is not hard. Daniel still had to spend the night in the lion's den. That was scary, I'm sure. Yes, God protected him, but I'm sure it was still scary. And he didn't know what would happen. I mean, he maybe, from Darius's actions, maybe if I get through this night, then, then Darius will take care of me, but maybe not. I mean, there's still a law in the books that it must be killed. So it was still scary. So even as we walk in faith, saying that we do not need to fear human power, that does not mean that everything is going to be easy. We are still going to suffer. We are still going to experience hardship. We are still going to experience fear, normal, natural human fear. But we do not need to let that fear overcome us. And as I was reflecting on this, I started to think, what is it that what what is it that we are we tend to be afraid of? Because here, you know, this is Daniel against an evil government that is directly attacking his right to worship and to pray to his God. I say his right; they didn't have any rights back then. Directly attacking him worshiping. But but today in the United States, like that's just not that's not really what we find, right? We don't have we have we have been blessed with very strong protections in our country of our freedom of religion that we can meet openly that we even have a privileged status in the middle of a pandemic that we continue to gather because it is rightly viewed as important so we, it's not really someday and certainly in other places in the world it is there is fear of governments but for us what do we fear just because we don't fear governments doesn't mean that there is nothing else that we tend to fear. We still fear those who have power. We fear the power of the culture, the culture that continues to push more and more against biblical teaching. And we fear those, those cultural leaders in, in the academic world, in the universities, in the entertainment world, those movers on, on Twitter, the movers of public opinion, who say, who speak things, who say that the Christian teaching about sexuality, about absolute truth, about life, that these things just, who could still believe these things? And it is understandable that we fear these things. We fear the social pressure that comes from that. In some cases, that social pressure can even turn into very uncomfortable situations in workplaces or business relationships. So even though we have a fair degree of protection from governments in our country, it is understandable that we might look at things with some measure of fear, just as Daniel probably did. And so Daniel's word for us today, God's word for us today, those things may be hard. We may face pressure. We may be cast out in certain ways if we hold firm to biblical truth and biblical teaching, if we hold firm to righteousness and justice in all of its aspects. And yet, ultimately, all these forces are just the man behind the curtain. And they have no ultimate power. And so that is a word of encouragement to us, that we do not have to fear. So then we can walk, rather than walking in fear, trying to protect, trying to preserve ourselves, trying to always be careful of what we say, what we think, what we do, trying to build up a separate walled institutions just for ourselves, we can actually engage in the world in faith. 
even in a world that is frightening to us. We can engage in the university. We can engage in the culture. We can engage in our workplaces. How? Just with simple faith. We don't have to be obnoxious about it. We don't have to be jerks about it. We don't have to be seeking at every turn to assert our rights and our privileges. But we can just be obedient. We can go down our knees three times a day in prayer. We can speak truth when it is questioned. We can talk about our love for Jesus, our love for our church family, our reliance upon the truth of Scripture in everything we do. And we can know that whatever happens, even if we find ourselves in somewhat of a lion's den at times, that ultimately we do not fear human power, for God is protecting us. On the flip side, we need to be careful not to put our hope in human power. There's the one temptation to fear, to cower, to be unwilling to engage. But then there's the other temptation to look for a human deliverer, to look for the human, the, the, the powers of what can we do to manipulate the situation. Think about what Daniel could have done. Daniel could have argued against these people. I mean, Daniel was a smart guy. He was one of just three satraps, right? Like he was one of the top three rulers in the kingdom and Darius favored him. He was going to put him over the whole kingdom. He, pro he, he could have won this perhaps on a, on a court intrigue level. He could have heard about it, gone Darius, said, Darius, don't do this. They're just out to get me. These guys are slime balls. Don't listen to them. But that's not what he did. He did not put his hope in human power. He simply put his hope in simple faith and obedience. And so for us, when we're tempted to look to the, to the ways of the world, to how can we maintain our power? How can we protect ourselves? How can we get an advantage for ourselves? And we can tell ourselves it's for a good cause. It's for the cause of Christ. It's for the cause of our own protection. It's for our own safety. And there's, there's always a measure of wisdom in these things. There's always, we saw in Acts over and over, Paul asserting his rights as a Roman citizen. So there's a time and a place to do that. But there's a question and a challenge to each of us to say, where are we putting our hope? We cannot put our hope in human power, in any political figure who will bring righteousness and justice to our land. We pray for that. We pray for that every Sunday. We pray for our political leaders to have a greater measure of righteousness and justice. And that's right and good. But we know that they're not the ultimate thing. We know that ultimately the power is found in God. So what does that look like? How does that play out in our lives to not put our hope in human power, but to trust in our everlasting God and his eternal power? We see where we put our hopes where we seek power in our actions, how that plays out in where we spend our money, where we put our time, where we put our mental energy. And so when we're faced with a problem, where do we go? Do we go to seek help from powerful people? Do we go to our own cleverness to figure it out? That's what I do. Do we go to research all the answers on the internet? Or do we go first? to prayer, to the power of God? Do we seek to quiet ourselves before God and say, God, will you speak to me in the midst of this trial? Will you protect me in the midst of this hardship? Will you give me wisdom and understanding? 
Do we go to others to ask them for prayer? For whatever it is that we need. Maybe it's a decision that we're struggling with. Maybe it's an issue at work, a relational issue in our family. Maybe it's a sickness, an injury. On, on Thursday nights, we've been doing, uh, Cindy has been leading several of us through a, a course of training in healing prayer. We're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're learning to pray intensively for other people, to rely on God for help and healing. And that power is available to all of us. This is our privilege as Christians, is that we have the Holy Spirit within each one of us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that ultimate power. So this is why every Sunday after the service, we offer that you can come forward for prayer, that we will pray for you, for whatever you need. We will anoint you for healing as the Bible commands us to do. That's why we have the prayer cards in the back that we can pray for you from afar. But also know that we can not only pray for you on Sunday mornings, we can pray for you at a time during the week. We can make a prayer appointment where two of us who have been training in, the, in praying and in, in soaking in the power of the Holy Spirit will spend an hour with you and we will pray for your healing. We will pray for God to transform whatever it is that it, you are experiencing, whether it is physical healing, whether it is emotional healing, whether it is wisdom that you need. We would love to have a prayer appointment with you. That this is the power that is available for us. The power of God that he displayed in protecting Daniel from the lion's den is still there for us today. And even more so, I mean, Daniel, Daniel was a hero. He's a great hero of the faith. He was blameless. Who of us can say that we are blameless before God and before man? And yet, where this is going in Daniel, as we've seen this tale of, four, of the four kings, we had the humbled king, the foolish king, the powerless king. All this is leading into what we see next week and in the rest of Daniel, which is the ultimate king. Daniel himself saw visions of the king who would come down from heaven like a son of man. So what we'll really dig into next week, the ultimate king. But we know that that ultimate king, the one who came from heaven like the son of man, that that was Jesus. And that Jesus, even more so than Daniel, lived a blameless life. Jesus walked through the den of lions for us. So that when we face difficulties in our life, when we face pressures, when we face a fear of human power, when we face the temptation to hope in human power, we have a Savior in Jesus who faced all those same temptations. And when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, he said to his disciples that as he left, he would, he would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now comes within each of us who have put our faith in Jesus and gives us the power of his life within us. The power that we may walk in obedience. The power that we may pray for healing. The power that we may receive wisdom. Because we know from Daniel that all human powers are ultimately simply the man behind the curtain. But we have an everlasting God. We serve an everlasting God. And that everlasting God came down to earth at Christmas. And then that everlasting God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put himself into each one of us that we may have that same power to walk and serve and love him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for the example of Daniel, but we thank you even more for the power that you displayed here. We pray that you would show us what it means 
to follow and worship you and to live in that power. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.